sure of that in a pair of testicles. Joking, but perhaps you're right. You mind if I do it, Jay? Bunny. Excuse me? Bunny Lebowski. She is the light of my life. Are you surprised at my tears, sir? Still fucking hate. Strong men also cry. Strong men also cry. <clears throat> I received this fax this morning. As you can see, it is a ransom note. We have money. Written by men who are unable to achieve on a level field of Can play. This is Gutterballs, the Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of the Big Lebowski. It allows life to exist in the bleak, black emptiness of space. Providing insight. I don't know when she said that. <laughs> Maybe Saint Sneaker comes and like puts little trinkets in them. Commentary has found himself in a world turned upside down. <laughs> flare, 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 flare. And conjecture. It looks like the pool is empty. They shot it all on a green screen. You can't do a pickup. And now, gutter balls. <laughs> I do. I'm read ready you. to rock and roll. Let's rock. I am the arm. I want my Garmin Bozia. I just have to imagine cream corn is like going into my mouth in reverse. Cleaning the spoon as it enters your mouth. Yes. Ah, did I send you that link? Speaking of this. Which link is that? Brunching David Lynch. About how acetaminophen... Yes, no, you didn't, but I saw it. Social pain, and it, like... <laughs> references friggin' rabbits from yeah, Inland Empire. They had people watch rabbits. Right. David Lynch's rabbits. Are they described as, like, short films by neo-noir surrealist director David Lynch, <laughs> in which actors roam around a room with rabbit heads uttering non-sequiturs. And apparently, if you took a seat of minifin first, like there, you had much less dread right. watching it. That wasn't quite as <laughs> horrible to you. <laughs> Just take some acetaminophen; it'll be cool. Yeah. So now I've been taking like acetaminophen every day since then. It's awesome. You know, I personally, I embrace the existential dread. So yeah. I don't know. I'm like, oh man, I need to like, yeah. You know, I need to go have a, a difficult conversation with someone. I'm going to pop some acetaminophen first. Pop all you a know, couple of these gotta babies. Got to give a speech in front of a large group. It's like, all right, take a couple of acetaminophen. Get your bottle. Yeah, it's in your go. inside coat pocket. It's like, oh, yeah, I got like four of these left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Knock it back. Yes. And you'll notice I do not say Tylenol. No, no. Who can, who, why would I take that when you can just simply take acetaminophen? The, uh, the store brand. Exactly. Right. It's the same active ingredients. It's no different, really. Just in a fancier container. Exactly. But yeah, your coworkers are probably looking at you like, I think Brad has a problem. I I always oh, see him. They definitely think I have a problem, that's without a doubt. He's got this container. He's he's popping these pills. Well, it's acetaminophen, right. folks. Right. Take take her easy. Like, for example, in this minute, the titular Lebowski probably could have used some acetaminophen. Or maybe the dude, he's like, you know, he's self-medicating with something else, you know? I don't know if I do a J. Yeah, I would have said the dude because... He could have just taken some acetaminophen. Yeah, the dude is so confused by what's going on here. He's in an existential nightmare in this scene. He is. I don't know if it's a nightmare. I mean, he seems almost kind of, like, amused. Well, not a nightmare, like, but he, it's baffling, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, he's baffled. It goes from being kind of, like, baffled to, like, kind of, like, just 
un, he just can't really believe what's happening. Like, is this real? But kind of in an amused way. And this, then it just leads to like, wow, this is just crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't end up amused, you know, when someone's been kidnapped. Right. It's like, shit got real all of yeah, a sudden. Right. Well, it gets real toward the, like, you know, at the beginning of the next minute. Brant ushers him away. <laughs> Brant will fill you in on the details. But, you know, the titular Lebowski. It's a double you know, dose of cr- real. He it's starts a- crying. Right. Strong men also I mean, cry. Yeah, exactly. The dude's just like, excuse me? And he just looks like, what? Is it this real? You know, it's like, do your tears surprise me? See, I think it's a double dose of real. No fucking A! It's a double dose of real because it gets real when he realizes that Bunny, who we've established, he's kind of infatuated with, of course. She's been kidnapped, and these kidnappers want to ransom. Like, that is laying a heavy dose of reality on his brain hole right now. But then they up the ante, and they lay down the double dose of reality when it's like he's responsible for getting her back. Then that's just upping it. But it's like, it's two doses, because we think, as first-time viewers, we think this maybe this is as bad as it gets, like... He just has to think about, oh, poor Bunny, she's been kidnapped. But they up the ante and they make him responsible for it. It's a good, good little bit of, I don't know, plotting. I guess you would call it plotting. Yes. They have pl- plotting. Plotted the events. Plot. Mm. I plotted it. Plot. Plot. That and a pair of testicles. <laughs> The titular Lebowski doesn't look at him one time in this minute. In fact, in that's, this whole scene. That's because he's making the whole thing up. Right. They're mi- can't look at him in the eyes. This Even is, if he is a stoner, homeless loser. <laughs> bum is the word I was looking for. Yes, a bum. Bum. In, in the parlance of this, the titular Lebowski. In the parlance of this time. Not, uh, uh... Facts is another item in the parlance of this time. What did Mr. Potter call them? He didn't call them bums. He called them, uh... Rabble. Rabble, yes. That's like the parlance of the 30s. Yes, facts. Received this facts this morning. Faxes are still around. They, you know... But they were the only game in town back then. I faxed something like two weeks ago. Yeah, faxes unfortunately are just still around. I don't understand it. How it is makes no sense to me? Lately, when people have wanted me to fax something, I take a picture of it with my iPhone and email it to them. Sometimes and that seems to satisfy them. Sometimes they need a fax. I wish that would satisfy them, but sometimes they need a so- fax. If they have no like email address. Or it's like the person that does that particular duty, like that's the, that's what they perform. That's the duty they perform. That's their function, that person at that company, is to walk to the fax machine, gather those papers that have collected there, and put them in another place. And if you take a picture and email it, then that person ceases to have a function. Right. And then we got a downsize, and that's no good. Nobody right. wants that. No. That's the only reason faxes I are hate around. Jobs. Right. Apparently, you I hate want to jobs. Destroy this. I am, you know, the job creators. I'm the job destroyer. I don't know yeah. why you're like that. You should stop. I don't know. I should. I'm really destroying America. I also use that as my poor man's photocopy machine. Like sometimes I'll need just a copy for myself, like a like a copy for my records, or there's like some kind of form that I need to fill out every so often. I don't I don't have enough copies of it. Like. I would just take a picture of it with my phone and then print that picture out on my inkjet inkjet printer. Do you email it's it? It's a really, really low <laughs> quality photocopy, but it works. Do you email it to your printer? I don't. You could do I that, you know? Sometimes they got yeah, their own I email do. address. 
Yeah, I don't have that. I do email it to myself sometimes so I can open it up in Gmail and print it from there. Yeah, that's more what I would do. Just email. In the, fact, yeah. And yeah, and I'm going to take back what I said. It's not that it's a low quality photocopy. It's actually way too high of a quality photocopy. Like it's literally like a photorealistic <laughs> complete like copy of this page. Like it's not like a copy of the paper. Like it's like it's a I don't know. digital re-representation. Yeah, of not just what's on the paper, but the actual paper right. itself. The little threads and fibers of the paper. Exactly. That's exactly it. It's probably overkill. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Just a tiny taste. What's that yes. from? That would be... The fear and loathing unlock space. Man, Johnny Depp. That was good. That was <laughs> kick ass. That was kick ass, man. That was really. I didn't do it the whole thing even. It's nice. I, I got it. Good work. Sometimes I can get it. So, audio wise, if we wanna, well, here we're we're kind of talking about some characters, characterizations sure. a little bit. So. There, this is like a bit of theater going on right now. Right. Which you don't realize as a first-time viewer, but it's just like dramatic theater. And Brandt, in particular, is being very theatrical about this whole thing. Right. But is that... Is Brandt in on it, or is he just naturally a theatrical kind of person? Like I that? can't... I'm still not sure, because we he is kind of theatrical... But he hasn't been this over the top. Like with his hands. Yes. Like widespread stormtrooper hands. Yeah, that is very weird. And I almost wonder, like... I mean, I guess everything happens on purpose. But it's almost like just a weird take. Right, or maybe... Or something. Or he didn't realize, like, he was in the shot or something. Or this was early on and he hadn't quite gotten into Brant yet or something. It's just yeah. like... So far over the top. Right. But yeah. the other idea is that he's he is in on it and he doesn't quite know how to behave. So he's right. actually just doing like 150% of normal brand. Yes. So just to describe for the listeners a little more detail what we're actually talking about. After Brant. I hate that ends, you have to say plural listeners now. Yeah. How about that? Whatever. We've hit the big time. After your Brant hands the dude the facts he instantly like turns 90 degrees away from the dude so he's now facing the same way as the dude and is incredibly stiff completely still his hands go to his side in this very awkward like they're not completely straight down there may be like a 30 degree angle fingers splayed fingers splayed completely apart he just <laughs> stands there, right. like perfectly still in this awkward pose with his hands all, yeah, his fingers all separated. Very bizarre. Like, it's instantly, if you watch it, like, I don't know. I feel like I have noticed that, not just in this advanced watching, but it's something, it's something that just happens, just washes over you, like we've talked about before when you watch a film, like you might see something or hear a, a phrase that you don't know what it is, but it doesn't matter. Your mind just keeps rolling with it. Right. You're in the bigger picture at that point. You just let these little things kind of wash past. Yeah. And you're not going to get hung up on it. I, I've picked up on it too. Yeah. And it, well, and before that, you know, leading up to that. Yes. Let's talk you know, about the, this. The, the, uh, they cut to Brant. They cut to Brant's face. They show right. his face. For while the um, Tishel Lebowski is talking, they cut to Brandt's face with this pained expression of grief. He's looking down slightly toward the floor with this horrible pained expression. Again, like ratcheted up 150%. And, you, and you, know, you, he, you continue to hear the Tishel Lebowski talk. And then he says... We this morning we received this fax, and then all of a sudden his expression changes. Like, oh wait, that was my that's my cue. I gotta go. Like, right? It's just it just turns it off instantly, and like he turns and again in that me mechanical manner to go to the to the dude to hand him the the fax. 
Right. He turns the grief off like a switch. Bink. Just off now. I'm totally cool now. Back to my duties. So it's not real grief. It's manufactured again. So he that fucking hates Bonnie. He's glad she's kidnapped. If he even thinks she's really kidnapped. But he, he has no empathy or humanity in him, that brand. Well, as far as Bunny is I concerned, don't think that's really true. As far as but, Bunny is concerned, I would agree with you. He doesn't like her so much, but I think yeah. he does but have I some empathy. I still think he doesn't want her to be kidnapped. He's really not a monster. Right. Yes. Although I have nothing to base that on. Well, other than just P.S. Hoff just looks really like a nice guy because he wants to help. That's his whole role in life is to be a helper. Are you really a monster if you just want to help people? But his his pained look of grief, his lower lip in particular, forms... I mean, if you pause it on 2341, and this is the close-up of Brant, which, first of all, we go to... Like, they cut to this close-up of him with this pained look, and we're on it for five seconds. We're on Brant for five seconds. As the titular Lebowski is weaving his tale of woe, we cut to Brant, and it's like, look at how upset he is. And they just hang on it forever. And I guess the point maybe is that the payoff is, boom, he snaps out of it. He's not really that upset. Because his emotion changes like that, like yeah. the turn of a switch. I guess that's the payoff. But look yeah. at his lower lip at 2341. Would you please do that? I shall. He's got a thing with the extremities of his face. Oh, yes. Look at it. I mean, he can do things with the edges of his face protrusions that I can't imagine doing. Right. I'm trying to figure out what shape. It's all like pink and bulbous. It looks like a leech or a caterpillar or like a dog bone, like a wishbone dog bone kind of thing sticking out. Did Okay, so here's where I'm going to tread in some weird ground, because I'm not sure if we talked about this before. All right. Did, so stop me if we did. Stop. It, all right. <laughs> the, but there was, and again, it's something validating, I think, to us, okay. is that there was uh, P.T. Anderson was being interviewed by Terry Gross on NPR. Okay. And they started talking about P.S. Hoff, because, again, he's in a lot of P.T. Anderson sure. films. Sure, loves that guy. And they were going, again, along the same line that we've been talking about. It's just the amazing things he can do with his face and body. I mean, he can. And they were talking about, yeah, like how his, uh, you know, like how in this one scene in The Master, he, like, starts to blush. Whoa. And Terry was talking about, like, well, is that possible? Like, did you direct him to blush? Is it possible for an actor to just, like, blush on command like that? And, you know, P.T. Anderson was just like, you know, I don't really know. But, yeah, what actors can do with their bodies are just amazing. They practice these things and do things that you wouldn't think possible. And, yeah. I just got chills. P.S. Hoff is just amazing. Well, hair stood up on my forearms. That's amazing. I believe it, though. Like, looking yeah, at what he's doing with his lip right now. Just looking right here at 2341, yeah, the way his lip is curled in, it's all red. Right, it's puffed out. Like, this act probably hurts a little bit, even. How do you make your lip into that shape and get it so shiny and, like, a different color? He is Appar master. If you can blush on command, apparently this is child's play. Yeah. Man. And then he just, but he just snaps out of it. The right. expression just is done, and he goes back to his brand. Yeah, it just disappears immediately. It's so great. And then he goes into that weird, like, prisoner of war stance right. with his, like, arms. Robot mode. Yeah. Exactly what it's like. It's like, I'm powering down for the night, sir. <laughs> Will you require anything else? Yeah. Good night. Yeah, man. The Jumping Jay. I wasn't sure if I should bring this up. So you're saying his Jay moves from place to place? It does, but it's at like 
24.00 in a couple of frames when we cut back. So the dude is holding the faxed ransom note with the cutout newspaper letters on it. Mm-hmm. He holds it up to read it. He's got his J in his right hand. Uh, as we're looking at the note, he brings it up to his face to take a puff, which we'll get to this in the audio portion of our program, but there's nice stereoscopy going on here where when he sucks on the J, it is on the right-hand side and the flame crackles are on the left-hand side. Guess we don't have to get to that now. Anyway, he's looking at the note, so it's a close-up of the piece of paper. He takes the J up to his mouth, sucks it, puts his hand back down on the paper, and then when we cut, and this is right after, so it's a little bit of a cheat here, but at 24 colon zero zero, it's back in his mouth. And with again, without scrutinizing this painstakingly, you, you just don't care. It's not even that you don't right. notice. Even if you did notice, you wouldn't really care, but... I mean, you might care if you notice, because sometimes when there's a jump cut like that, it really like is jarring. But it's this one's for whatever not. reason you don't notice it. Yeah, this one's okay. Even though it's an impossibility, you're right. Like I never noticed it. I just watched this a bunch of times. I didn't even notice it. Now that you pointed it out, it's like, yeah, how can you not notice it? And it's weird because they do make a big deal out of like the J being in his right hand. You see the smoke coming off of it, like. You know, that takes something just to keep a thing lit and have smoke in the shot every time. So it's not like, it's not subtle. Like It's pretty obvious it's in his hand, and then it's back in his mouth. But it still doesn't, I don't know. Somehow it doesn't bother me. I just noticed it. So since we're at the end here, talking about the J in his mouth, I mean, we're just kind of jumping all over. Do you want to talk about the audio in this part a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. Because this is very weird to me at least what i'm thinking of which is this non-diagenic sound right right like we're hearing the dude reading the note in his own mind i think it's intended that he's reading it out loud i thought that at first like okay maybe he's just reading it out loud but like cuts you still hear him going. You see him looking at it. The J's in his mouth. Like, his mouth is not moving at all. His mouth, like... Oh, man. See, I didn't it, notice that. You have to go into the next minute, I think, to really notice that. But You're yeah, right. Like, it, the You're voiceover right. keeps going and going. And there's no... You know what? I 100% absolutely agree with you. Here's why. More audio. So, Brant goes into his weird robot mode, hands him the note, and we're going to cut to the shot close-up of the note right at 2353. Brant hands him the note. You cut to the close-up of the paper with the words on it. The sound changes. The fire turns into this ominous, like, rumble. Just for that shot. So it's like... They are sort of reinforcing that idea that we're in a different little reality just for this little moment here. So I think you're completely correct. Right. And it's not just the sound like the the titular Bowski is continuing to blather on Mm -hmm. and it sounds like he's down like a far tunnel. Right. With an echo like he's far away. The dude is just focused now on the paper. Right. He can't listen to this other stuff. He's just. Yeah. Here we are. And maybe some of this is in the dude's mind. Some of this could be the effects the acetaminophen's having on him. Exactly. Yeah, this is his mind. He is just thinking this, and we get the opportunity to hear it. Which is strange for this movie. It really is. We previously talked about how they are all about diegetic. Yeah, like all the music is really diegetic, but here we have. We've heard we've gone into the dude. I mean, we've go in. I guess we go into the dude's mind via dream sequences and stuff. Yes, and they do a lot of shots. We've talked about shots like from his point of view, like as the dude is walking closer, or further away. The camera is doing the same thing. Right, right. So this is like maybe along those same lines. And I think part of this is just a 
you know, a, a uh, logistical question. I don't know if logistical is the right word, but it's just a question of, like, you know, the logistics of trying to tell the story. Convey like, this information. Convey the information that's on that paper, right? So, like, you don't, you know... Yeah, you don't want to have to rely on the audience to read every word, right. especially since it's so cockamamie right. here. Or, I mean, like, without that, right, you're just putting this cock... Again, yes, cockamamie is the right word. This cockamamie sheet of paper with instructions on it, like, you're just filming it. Okay, it just sits there right. for six seconds so you can read it. Like, it's just bizarre, right? You need You kind of need his narration to fill it in. I mean, they could have done something where it was like him reading it out loud or something like that. I suppose, but I don't know. They want this, this, this. Uh... Maybe they had picture lock and they had the five second shot of the paper, and it wasn't working. And they brought Jeff in for a day and just had him read this. It's like you know what? We need something to help sort of right. propel it along. Can you come in and give us a couple of reads? Maybe. So it does work better without it. Or I mean with it, sorry. It does work yeah. better with it in. It would not work without it. And these clippings that they've used to construct this note. Gather. The nihilists are going to use the word gather. I don't know. It, well, maybe they would. Await. Because they are bizarre. It is a weird way to say it, right? Right. Gather them. Gather. Gather them. So maybe they would, because again, they, you know, English is not their first language. You gather the money, Lebowski. Yeah. Gather the money. Like, I I, would. Would would you expect the kidnappers to typically say that? Like, gather one million dollars in unmarked, non-consecutive twenties. Like. I don't know. I guess what else would you say? Because they're not saying, like, we want a million dollars. They're just giving them, like, you know, get it ready. Get this ready so when we give you instructions, we'll be ready to go. Bet you can't guess what the next step is. Give it to us. Yeah, I don't know. I could go either way on that. On one hand, yeah, they're a little weird and they say weird shit. So maybe they would say gather one million dollars. On the other hand, it's just not a very nihilistic. It's just not very nihilistic verbiage. Gather one million. Gather it. Gather it. See, I have to come down on the side of it. It's it's very nihilistic verbiage. There's a rift. I think the rift is, it's the titular Lebowski trying to sound nihilistic. I think that's what we're picking up on. Does the titular Lebowski... Okay. See, I'm again confused with this whole thing. I don't understand the story here. You don't have to. We've been over this. Right. Like, does the the titular Lebowski know the nihilists? How does he know them? One sitting in his pool. (laughs) Oh, good point. (laughs) All right, good point. Touche, touche. I mean, if you can sit in a man's pool floating on a raft and drink two bottles of Jack and have him not notice you, I got to find that house. Well, I feel like, you know, he's the the titular Bowski isn't doesn't isn't really kept abreast of what's happening poolside. (laughs) Right. It's again, it's like a sign of bunnies just like does whatever she wants. Sure. Her position as a trophy wife. But I mean, it takes that her nihilist Carl (laughs) Hungus is floating in the pool passed out it takes more than two minutes to drink two bottles of jack he's been there a while he would have had to have noticed and also i don't know he uh remember he gets pissed right away when the dude references his wife so it's like he knows she's into nefarious crap yeah so i I don't know i think he's kind of in on it He, he knows the nihilists so the nihilists are in on this kidnapping, though. I don't know this plot with him because they go. Yeah, I don't know to pick up the bag again. Right. They send a tow. Right. I don't. I don't understand the plot of this movie at all. I think they're in on it with him. I think it, they're all in it together. 
and he's lording it over them. There's probably a separate movie that's happening along with this movie where it's Carl Hungus playing the part of the dude, basically, and the titular Lebowski's taking him and his cohorts for a ride, you know? But right. we're, we're just treated to one half of that story. That, would, that just, could be the sequel. The sequel could be the big Lebowski from the nihilist's point of view. You know, it just keeps getting worse and worse for them, and they're like, this is ridiculous. No money? She cut off her toe? That's a good movie. Let's make that one. I just think I'm going to have to watch this whole movie at some point and see if I can figure out what happened. No, that's going to spoil it. Don't do that. All right. Don't watch it. Just go minute by minute. But, yeah, I already talked about it, but the fire, it's on the left-hand side, and the titular Lebowski is to the dude's left. Nice work, audio man. Said we get back to it, but that's all there really is. There's nothing more to it. It's just, it's just that. Yeah. Well, like we said, there's that. It sounds like he's in the midst of some. He's far away, down some long tunnel. The fire. It is like this strange kind of like indistinct rumble at this point. Lynchian. It's a little Lynchian. A little bit. Except it's also so subtle, though. Right. Like, again, it just happens. It rolls over you, right? Like, Lynch would draw the attention to be un- unsettling. This is just like you're in the dude's head all of a sudden, and you don't, you didn't even realize it. Right. It's a little Lynchian. I'd say it was a lot Lynchian. Yes. Just, just I mean, a little yeah. Lynchian. The sound in isolation is Lynchian, without yes. a doubt. Yes, yes. That is a better way to say it. Yeah, but you're right, because... In his in Lynch's movies, we do cut to shots of fires and have a, a roaring sound at least once. Firewalk with me, perhaps. I see you wrote here that and a pair of testicles. Yeah, I mean that he says that. He says it. It's one of the again, you know, the Lebowski kind of jokey lines. That I'm on the fence about. For different reasons. So before I said like he was he was too glib in the face of like violence. Right. And an uncertain future. This is different. It's a little... Yeah, and he's he's wisecracking. And it's okay. It's fine. No, whatever. see, I'm on board I'm with you like... on this one. I'm on board with you on this one because this is a little a little out of character for the dude, I think. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's out of character, but it's maybe a part of his character that I don't really care for. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's a cheap shot or something. It's like making a fart joke or something. Exactly. Or it's like, you know, it's the it's a laugh line. Mm-hmm. But, like, you don't need it in this, right? Like, it's like, yeah. Exactly. It's like a fart joke in a Kevin James comedy or something. Or it's Is that a, guy's name, Kevin James? The guy from the King of Queens? Yeah. Well, no, because that would be right in line with a Kevin James vehicle. This is more right. like a fart joke in a, in The English Patient. I wish I would stop referencing that movie. I don't like it. I wish I'd stop talking about it. It's just out of place. It's a little right. out of place. Well, I'm not I saying think. it would be out of place in the Kevin James movie, but it's like a line from a Kevin James oh, movie. Oh, yes, it is like All that. All of a sudden inserted into this right. film. Let's replace Jeff Bridges, and now Kevin James is sitting there, I'm, and he yeah. says it. I'm ultimately just a huge, huge snob. <laughs> and if you like The Big Lebowski because you like that line, then you just don't you you know, qualify above my snob. You're like, you know, <laughs> below my snob radar. <laughs> well, I don't think it's one of the top ten, really. It is kind of a throwaway. I mean, there's no way that cracks the top 10 lines of no. this movie. Not even top 20. So, I think we're okay there. I don't think anybody likes this movie for that line. I hope hope to Jesus not. Because, man. So you asked here, 
Is this the facts that the titular Lebowski actually created? Well, we talked about that, right? Right. That was a huge revelation. Right. The possibility that so, he had created this ransom note himself. Right. And we saw the remnants, you know, so some of the little squares of paper and his magnifying glass and tweezers and other implements out on his desk. He was crafting this note. Possibly. Quite possibly. I was just so proud of that revelation that I just wanted to bring it up again because now we're coming, now we've actually arrived at the actual ransom note. But is there anything that you've seen now that we get a chance to see the ransom note? Is there anything in this ransom note, this faxed, photocopied version of the ransom note that he potentially created that ties it back to that scene in his office, in his study? Where the dude and he meet for the first time? I mean, I will say that, again, the things on his desk seem to be much bigger than anything in that note. They're much larger squares of paper. Yeah. With maybe one exception. But it could, again, be again part of some process... Like, one of them seems to be, like, a square, but then, like, a rectangular, a smaller rectangle on top of the square. So, well, it could either be... I mean, I don't have a lot of experience in crafting photocopied and faxed ransom notes out of bits of newspaper, but it's probably pretty tricky. Well, here's another thing, right? You You can't, could you? I don't know, but, like, could you... Take a piece of paper, glue these things onto it, and feed that through a fax machine. With a fax machine just kind of like, it just wouldn't work. Like, like some of the pieces would come off, you know. I imagine he photocopied it first. Photocopy it first. And what can you do when you photocopy something? You can change the scale. Right. It can be bigger or smaller. Exactly. So he could have made this, like, again, to be easier to work with. It was big. A much bigger piece of paper and then you scale to fit he scaled to fit yeah that could be that bastard he's a crafty he one scaled to fit he fucking scaled to fit you know and he constrained the proportions probably too well no you know what he probably didn't he probably unclicked that chain link icon because it was probably wider so he probably unconstrained it and had it scale more on the horizontally you know because it's it, really hard for me to imagine him doing all this brant had to have done it brant did it he's in on it that's what i'm saying he's yeah. in on it no way the titular lebowski does all this you're totally right on that he, brant is in on the gag that's why he's 150 percent brant right now he doesn't know how to act neither of them do they're not actors they just hang out with actors. Carl Hungus being the actor they hang out with. Well, no, his wall of, you know, Charlton Heston. Oh, that's right. Possibly uh, Special Agent Dale Cooper. Ronald Reagan, for God's sakes. The actor? Who was vice president? Jerry Lewis? No wonder your president is an actor. He has to look on <laughs> TV. Nice work. Nice work. That's your totally two for two, man. Yep. And it's totally true though at the same time. Right. It's a it's a cogent piece of cultural criticism. It is. Mid mid term too. Nineteen eighty five. Yep. You know? Not too shabby. Not even done with the first term. No. Yes. One year into the second term. My bad. Pretty good though. Pretty, pretty good. What else you got for me, Brad? Are we going to actually keep our word? Do we have something like, like in our, the fiber of our being that insists that we break our word every time? Because if we stopped now, it would be a legitimately, reasonably timed episode. I'll mention one more thing. <laughs> what do you got? Just to keep this going. What do you got? Give me the, something. Uh, 
So we previously mentioned T-Bone Burnett. T-Bone. And the, the, the musical archivist for The Big Lebowski. Right. He was also the the music, I'm not sure the term is, music director, music supervisor for The Hunger Games. Don't say supervisor. Well, I know he doesn't like that. Yeah. But we mentioned that previously. And I just watched The Hunger Games a couple days ago. Yeah, I saw that. I thought it was okay. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. And so after that was done, I was like, all right, well, I know that there's a sequel coming out. Let me go look at the trailer for that. Just because I'm curious, like, what could happen next? And there's P.S. Hoff in the trailer. In the next one? What is it? The next one. Fighting Catching fire. fire. Catching fire. Fighting fire with fire. Yep. Has P.S. Hoff as a villain. Huh. Well, I have. I actually read. There he was. The Hunger Games too. The first one. Didn't okay. read the second one. I read a little bit of the first one. Sometimes you have to be aware of things that are going on around you in the world. I know what you mean. You know, and it's not like, for instance, sometimes I'll turn on the radio and listen to pop music. Well, I need yes. to know what's happening. Yes. It's not my oh. favorite music. I don't hate it or anything, but it's not usually what I tune into. But it's like, nope, I got to listen to some pop music right now. Right. Well, I'd imagine, you know, you know, being a father, you want to know what the young people are doing, even if not with music, but even with like the Hunger Games. Yeah, just with anything. For example, like I don't know if, you know, your daughter is into that or not. She is now and then, now and but, then. Yeah, that was what I was because yeah, my my son wanted to read the Hunger Games because everyone was reading it, right? And it's big uh, stuff. You know, I was going to read it with him, but and that's how I started reading it. But then, but then you didn't. Well, he didn't do it either. I'm oh, trying. Well, it's a struggle right. to get him to read, right? And I was, but he showed some interest in the book. That's so pretty like, good. That's that's awesome. Yeah. There's some interest in a book. Like, I want to, I, I was like, he's like, you know, I want to read Hunger Games. Like, that's awesome. I'll go right out now and buy it for you. Right. Right. Here you go. Let's read it. Oh, you're not going to read it now? Well, here, how about I read it? We'll read it together. And, you know, I only read like the very beginning, like, like literally like maybe 10 pages tops. You know, it's, and I was like, you know, I would want to read the rest of this. It's I never did. Pretty but I was like, good. In those 10 pages, the author definitely, I felt, I felt like this sense of just the, what is the word? Like the, I don't know, the, the dread of life mm. in District 12, right? It bled through the page very, very, very easily. Yeah, you definitely become enveloped in the reality pretty quick. Yeah. And I'm not sure what, like how you do that what words there's special words you use you use more yeah. prepositions or something you know what is it but yeah it's definitely enveloping you should read it you should finish it yeah i might i have decided i'm actually going to read things me too it's like for years i was not reading anything it's like why yeah. right i'm in the same place i'm reading again and now i'm reading yes i'm reading i'm reading game of thrones I'm on book uh, four. I have to be careful cool. who I talk to now, you know, and what yeah. I say. Yeah, I haven't watched that show. It's I'd like to. Pretty good. That's what I hear. I believe it. You don't, HBO does good stuff. They do not do shit. It's kind of they like don't. they're the Brad Pitt of television. Although I have to say, since we're mentioning this, you know, everyone's talking about the HBO versus Netflix thing. House of Cards. Not a fan. You didn't like it. No, very good. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Exceptionally good. Yeah, like very Netflix, good. that was a salvo. That was a atom bomb in this yeah, war. Right across HBO. their bow. Yep. They out HBO to HBO with that thing. Like if that they made a show that was just mediocre or just like kinda good, it w this was like maybe the best thing ever produced. Quote unquote for television, even though this isn't for television. It was, when I say best, they have like the highest production value. Yeah, shot on red, by the way. It just looks. I mean, it being yeah, the acting, 
the actor. I mean, Kevin Spacey as a star of a series like David Fincher directing David Fincher several directing. of the episodes. Like, so those are some heavy hitters. Regardless of what you think of your their work, you can't you can't argue that they're not heavy hitters. Oh, they're heavy hitters. Did you yeah. see? Now I don't. We let's finish up on House of Cards first. I can't. It's too important. Shot on red, David Fincher, a new model for television, possibly. Yes. Not to mention that they released the entire season all at once. Bam. Here's 13 episodes. If you want to stay up all night long and watch the entire season, go for it. Which I did, but over the course of like three or four days, basically. Yeah, I watched it's different. only one episode in a sitting except for one night. That's your watched MO. Watched two in a row. Well, one frustrating is I think I still prefer that because I like to digest it. Although this show is a little different because it does play a lot more like a 13-hour long movie than a TV show I, in a lot of ways. I had this friend back in the day when I was first watching Twin Peaks and he insisted on... Getting everybody together, there would be like 10 people, 8 or 10 people that would watch one episode of Twin Peaks once a week. And you could never watch two, you know, nope, you'd shut it down, you must experience the show the way it was intended to be experienced, you know, because this aired and it was a weekly episodic thing. And then if one person wasn't there, then you couldn't watch it, which to me broke down the rules a little bit, but... I don't know. Yeah. I remember that guy. That was frustrating. I like the House I, of Cards. I think that guy saved the series for you. <laughs> I think... I'll, I'll have to tell you about that guy, because he watched it. He So he did originally watch it on television. Right. Week to week. That was his he conceit. You know, his conceit got, is that he'd seen it originally, and this is how he'd right. seen it, so he's going to force everyone else well, to conform to that. That guy also got the big, long... VHS box set. Yes, he did. That was crazy. It was like, because then VHS tapes are not small no. and they don't fit a lot on per tape. It was like four feet long. It was like a four feet long case of VHS tapes. But it was, and, but so then he watched all of them in a bit in big gulps like that. Right. And it definitely was not as good. Because, like, things would start to wear on you. Like, the fact that it was, like, the same musical cues again and again and again. And, you know, you couldn't even keep remember, like, what the hell happened. Like, it, it broke down in a lot of ways. That, at least that's what that guy thought. I mean, I can, I can understand that, I guess. But also, I just like to savor it. Like, House of Cards, I kind of enjoyed savoring it. And, and I really like in a television show, especially one where it is, you know, high quality that does keep you wondering kind of what's going to happen next or what was the meaning of this thing. Like, oh, what did what, what did the text message say? I wonder, you know, like I like having that time to contemplate that and then discuss that and then think about it in the back of my head all day before I go to the next one. There's value to that. I will I, not I, argue. And, you know, and again, it all depends on how it was designed. And House of Cards is kind of borderline. Because House of Cards wasn't necessarily designed that way. To be like... I mean, it was... Sus- I don't know. It wasn't suspenseful, per se. It, there were very suspenseful moments, but it wasn't like a... It wasn't like a mystery. It's not... Each episode is not a cliffhanger. We'll say that. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right. It's designed more with the entire arc in mind, maybe, than... Here's a discrete chunk as an episode. Yeah. Some some points it really did become like, okay, this is like a television episode. Because this single episode had like a theme, right? Like we're mm-hmm. going to look at these three characters and there's something that like ties them together yet also separates them. Like they're all kind of going through the same kind of deal in some way. Like dealing with the betrayal in their own way, right? You know, that's where you get, you know, I don't know. Sometimes maybe I'm too much of a, I don't know, film critic, analyst, something. But, you know, so, so sometimes I was like, okay, this is very television-y now, for lack of a better word. But those... but that, They were few and far between, though, those moments. They were few moments. and far between. 
And it was very, it was just very, very good. Because again, you're you're shot on red and directed by David Fincher. Like you are going to be very filmy, you know? Yeah. How awesome is like the opening sequence of that show? I love that. And you know, they like shot those... that with a still camera. They shot it with a Canon 5D. That's what I would have suspected. Although there's one part of that. Well, there's two things with that opening. One, you have these beautiful time lapses of like, you know, with the Washington, D.C. Shitty the titles. The titles are so shitty. I wasn't going to comment on that. They're just nothing. I don't know. I don't really. I never really had an opinion on that. I, don't know. I, I never thought about that one way. But. Again, because you're watching this, and I don't know if there's some way to fix this, like maybe it's different, but it always looked to me like there was, because again, you're looking at the sky, a nighttime sky, with this really ultra subtle gradient, you could see the compression artifacts in there, Mm. you know, like that banding was so obvious, and I was like, you know, here's the most, most beautiful photography ever. But how, you know, Netflix is the only way to see this. You know, it's not like you can get the Blu-ray right. or well, something. Well, like, and even that I, would not be, you would still see the banding. I don't know. I mean, you would. maybe. You, I don't know. I'd wonder. You definitely would because that's a subtle gradient in a nighttime sky. You know, it's going from like yeah. really dark blue or whatever to slightly really dark blue over the court, like a pretty large section of real estate on the screen. You're going to see banding. Here's where it gets fixed. 4K streaming. Yes, sir. It's coming. All right. You can get a 4K, a 50-inch 4K television for $1,500. $1,500? Yes. Whoa. Someone sent me a link. It's off some weird shady site, though, so I don't know. It's some weird brand, you know, like Magnatrox or something. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Right. Panasonic's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, someone, yeah, a friend of a friend bought one. Anyway, huh. the second thing about the titles of um, House of Cards, one of the shots, there's the shot where there's like a lion head in it, like a statue of a lion head. Yeah. And there's something about like the nighttime and the light on the head. There's something about it. Where it's just like, that's very obviously very digital to me. Mm. Like, incredibly high quality digital. Like, better than... It's like, better than film, and that's the problem. But there's something about it that aesthetically... And it's it's super subtle. Well, But always that shot always stood out. Like, I just always stood out like, oh, there's a digital shot. That's a digital shot right there. That was shot on digital. I don't think of that through anything else when I watch any of the opening titles or any of the episodes. But that one shot of that line had always, I'm like, okay, that's digital right there. You know what? I'd have to go rewatch that shot, but perhaps, perhaps because they're shooting on the still camera, the 5D, which, Mm -hmm. you know, has a pretty sizable frame. They may um, be doing a uh, like a digital push or something on that. So maybe that's setting off your alarms. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Because you can Again, reframe, you know, you have more real estate to work with. So you can like push in or pan to the left or right. Or okay, so you mean like do. a digital zoom kind of a thing. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, maybe they're doing something. Like, like a little that. move. It's like it wasn't quite dynamic enough, so maybe they pan left to right or oh, like push oh, 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 in. So you're talking about actual movement in the shot. I'm talking yeah, about maybe, maybe. I don't think it's the movement. I feel like even if it's just a still shot. I'm talking. It is a still shot. It's a time lapse still shot, but since it's bigger than the frame that they're going to be distributing, they're zoom. They are zooming in now. They're doing a digital zoom Wait. or a digital pan or something. But you're saying when you actually watch it in video form, there is movement, like the line head moves subtly on the screen. Are you saying no? It's still a completely static shot. That's what I'm suggesting. No, yes, that is what I'm suggesting. Like, it's moving. Because I think they're pushing in on that lion's head, aren't they? They might. Well, there's there's two shots of the lion's head. And one is, like, much more obvious than the other. And, yeah, it could be the movement. I always felt like it was just something about, like, the quality of the light that's, like, hitting that lion's head. That's mm. off somehow. That's it's just like okay. That's what happens when you take a digital picture. It looks like that. See, I know what you mean, but 
it, it's more than just that lion's head scene. Like, I get that throughout the opening, here and there, honestly. But I don't mind it. It doesn't... Yeah. I don't mind it. That, it's fine. I, that's the only place where... Again, I love that opening scene. I think those opening shots, I think... They're incredible. They're incredible, they're obviously. Incredible. And I think that's almost a testament to digital, maybe. Because... I don't know. Like, it, that's the sharpness and the clarity in digital. I don't know what I'm it's saying. It's a different aesthetic, but you just got to It's a different get, aesthetic, get but used it really it. suits those shots really well, I think. Like, if that was stuff was on film, it may not have been as... Right, it's just, well, well, I'm looking good. at a shot of a lion head. But no, it's like, yeah. look at the lion head and all of the extreme detail of it, you yeah, know? exactly. And it's like the show is about the little nitty-gritties of the DC political landscape. I don't know. It's good. I think it suits it. And maybe there's just the right tool for the job sometimes. The other shot, though, that sort of like, ooh, kind of just perks my head up, like takes me out of it maybe a little bit is... I think it's the last one. Um, you can see the tidal basin in the foreground, I think, or some body of water, maybe the Potomac. Remember offhand right now. There's like little ducks or geese that go zooming by because it's time-lapse, so they're in fast motion. Mm. And that kind of was always like, I couldn't not look at those geese. And I don't know if it's a digital thing. It's just like two geese, two birds are like swimming on the surface of the water and they go zooming by. That always just took me out of it, but... Yeah, you know, I don't know if I noticed that. Is that the same shot that has, like, the barrel of waste or something? No, no, this is, like, when the title comes up, House of Cards, bam! Okay. And then on the bottom, there's water, and it's like, you see them scoot by. Another nighttime shot, I believe. Maybe not. Anyway, two little birds swimming around. So, yeah. Nothing wrong with it, it's just... I just can't stop looking at them. So, to continue... Okay, I'm just going to have to keep going on this thread (laughs) here. Because I want to make this episode at least stretch past an hour. Because, you know, we say 40 minutes and I want to just destroy that idea (laughs) as much as possible. (laughs) So, I made some some prints of some of my photographs the other day. Okay. Two days ago. These are film photographs or digital photographs? No, these were digital photographs. Okay. And I made some earlier too, some prints, and I from. This is on your Lexmark. No, this is printed just at a like. Send it to Walgreens. Send it to Walgreens, kind of thing. Gotcha. I mean, it's a photographic process. You know what I mean? It's a chromogenic process or whatever they do. Okay. It's not like a printer. It's not ink on paper. Right. Somehow but, it's better. Whatever they do. Yeah, well, it's like, and they make like a real photograph out of it, right? With photographic paper, somehow. It's better. But with digital, okay, so there is so much detail. So much detail. Yes. But somehow it ruins the shot. It ruins the pictures. Like it looks good on my like computer screen or iPad, but you print it out. And it somehow no longer is good. Like, you can see the detail. So I have this one picture. It's of this, you know, um, I don't know. It's just kind of this, like, prairie kind of landscape. Um, but it was, like, you know, during the magic hour, during sunset, there's this like, golden light shining on it. Is this from it's your really cross-country nice. excursion? Yeah. Yes, it is. And there's, like, a road kind of going through the picture as well it sounds wonderful like i can see this off. picture in my mind it sounds wonderful yeah it's an it's it's not bad and there's like some clouds that are kind of dark it's interesting but off in the distance there's like a truck on this road and you can't even really notice it at first glance or if you do, it's just like there's something like you don't, you don't register it. But like if you're on this print and this, I made an eight by 10 print of this. If you look at the truck, it's like there's all this detail on the truck, but 
it's so tiny. I don't know. It just kind of, it comes through just kind of like, is this kind of like digital noise for lack of a better word. Whereas like in a film print, I feel like, okay, there'd be less information, but it somehow wouldn't be so, so harsh. I wonder if this is the reason. I wonder if it's because the, uh, the smallest bits of information in your digital print are square and in a film print they're round. It probably has something to do with that, yes. So it makes it harsher. You know, it's got sharp edges and corners. There's no corners in the detail no, exactly of a film right. print. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. There's something like that. Hmm. There's another shot, and this was just like a like a four by six shot. It was just a snapshot, Christine and I standing out, you know, with the Badlands behind us, you know, like another tourist was like, oh, you know, I'll take your picture, you know, and took a picture. So there it is, you know, we're smiling, the thing's back there. And again, on a computer screen, it looks fine. When you print it out, my face, because again, we're kind of small, right? It's not like a close-up or effects. We want to get the whole big Badlands in the background, right? right? So we're... You got to prove you are there after all. Yeah, exactly. This is what it is. Just proving we're there shot, right? That's really the only value to this shot. <laughs> but it's nice. It's a nice momentum. Right. But again, trying to look at my face. My face is just like these, like, yeah, it's just like some kind of like digital... I, I, it just looks so digital. Is all I can say about it. Well, you know, there's no 90 degree angles in nature, you know. Well, but it's not like you can even see that there's 90 degree angles. It's like, but there's something I know. on about it that's wrong. But that's still what that stuff is, you know, made of. Yeah. Is squares with 90 degree. I just think that's what it is, I guess. But, you know, the smaller, basically the smaller and smaller the pixels get, maybe that'll start to go away. Which they don't I mean, really get smaller. I get well, yeah, they do. You know, four K, six K, eight K. As long as the the detail gets smaller and smaller, maybe that right. squareness will well, stop if, to matter. Yeah, yeah. And if we're talking about printing, right? Like prints, kind of. I mean, it's the detail. It's the it's the it's that paper, right? What's the resolution of that paper? Three hundred dots per inch, or something like that. Maybe I don't know. That's like a printer. It's not a photographic paper. Like the pixels are bigger than whatever's on the paper. I don't know. Yeah, fibers. Whatever. It's made of fibers. Hmm. Little hairs. And you can see them all when you take a picture with your iPhone and use it as a photocopy. <laughs> right. All right. I'm done with this whole blathering on about digital and house of cards and and everything although but wait but wait. we're talking about reading we're talking about ps hoff and the hunger games that's how this happened that's how we got to this place in that's our how we life. got to this that's how we got to this place and that's all i really had to say was just i thought okay t burn burnett because one i watched the hunger games i saw his name in the credits i was like oh yeah t burn burnett i remember that well do you know he's credited about? twice in that movie no he's composer colon additional music and also, brace yourself, executive music producer. Ooh. Executive. Ooh, I bet he did not like that. And Gavin Greenaway is credited three times. Not that I really know who that is, but... Yeah, I have no idea, but... Um, but here, did you know that Netflix has another original series? I do. Hemlock Grove. Grove. Yes, I have not tried it yet. I have watched the first episode. Is it okay? It seems to have kind of mixed reviews. That's a good way to describe it, is mixed reviews. I'll tell you but what... I've, I've also... Well, part of the thing is I've, I've found people that have given like bad reviews to House of Cards. Some people so don't like, like it. I just can't... I just can't trust people. I'll tell you what, it's beautiful to look at, if nothing else. Hemlock Grove. I'm definitely going to give it a shot. You definitely should. I don't know if they did it the same way. If all the episodes of the first season are out, we just watched the one. I think I think they did. I think that's Netflix mo. That's part of their differentiator. I love they this. That way. I love that. I love the new world. Just a whole season dump. Call it the season dump. I love it. Give it to me. Let me do with it what I will. Did we? I think we talked about the movie for a little while there, like in the middle section. 
We talked about the movie pretty much the entire time. All right. The last 24 minutes. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure we get a little token reference once in a while. And we just were talking about T-Bone. It all comes back to Lebowski. Every, like everything in the world does. It's all circular, man. But, you know, tangents are good. You you go far enough, That's you'll life. end up where you, you were. Yeah. <laughs> That's life. Tangents, definitely. Exactly. Brad, it has been my utmost pleasure spending this time with you on episode 24. 24. Adam. That is an entire season of a Kiefer Sutherland television vehicle now. An entire season. And then some, since our episodes are longer than an hour. Sometimes much, much longer. Sometimes (laughs) much, much longer. I'm down with the keeping it short thing. Maybe next time we'll do 40 minutes. I joked before about hijacking that. But sometimes, you know, if I have something to say, I can't, you I gotta can't say just hold it. it back. You don't I hold it back. It. No, you got to say I would it. like to. I think if we do, if we ever do manage to do a 40-minute episode, we then should try to do a three-hour episode. <laughs> that, you know, it's easy to do a three-hour episode. It's hard to do a 40-minute episode. It's like what Lincoln said. I, you want a two-hour speech? No problem. Have a tea tomorrow. You want a ten-minute speech? I'll need a month or whatever, you know? Yeah. The point being, it's a lot harder to do a short thing and distill well, all the information. That's, well, that's after we're done with the 40-minute episode, we'll need a break. Right, and just take it easy. We'll take it easy and do a three-hour one. <laughs> I feel like three hours, they'll bust through some kind of new level. Yeah, I would say once you get past two hours and ten minutes... You're into weird territory. Yeah, I would just like to see how... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would just like to test everyone's <laughs> patience as much as possible. Test their metal. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about my commute. If I, well, w- if I was to listen to... The, like, I have a half-hour commute. So I'd listen to it on the way to work. All right, 30 minutes. And listen to it on the way back. That's Monday. Tuesday, I listen to it on the way to work. Let's do it on the way back. There's Tuesday. Wednesday, I listen to it on the way to work and back. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there and back. Three days worth of commuting to get through one episode. It's mind-boggling. That's how I put that in context. Well, you know, you need something to listen to, though, right? So what does it matter if it's one episode, half an episode, or one-sixth of an episode? I just feel like... I would be doing you a favor <laughs> by forcing us to record for three hours. It's performing a public service, perhaps. All right. I'm ready to lock it down. All right, Brad. It's been a pleasure as always. As always, Adam. We'll see you on the... Boop, deck, deck. Next time on Gutterball. What do you mean, He believes the culprits might be the very people who uh, soiled your rubber.